This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good evening, good evening. So good to have you here tonight watching by live stream. I welcome all of you. Again, as it's snowing outside, we, we welcome the moisture from Father God, but we're glad you're at home and staying safe, so we're going to get in the Word of God. If you got your Bible, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and as you're turning there, remember that XO marriage retreat is still open. That's next week. Actually, XO, let's go. We got another week to get you enrolled in there, so we welcome you that. Again, you saw the video on the Men of Iron that's coming up. Going to be a great three days for men, so we welcome you to that. And then the last one is we have partnership on Sunday, February 20th at the 11 o'clock service, and you can sign up for that online. And we are welcoming you to be a part of the church. Again, it's, it's a delight to have you with us tonight. I begin here in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. So let each one give that his purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, nor out of compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, when I read that, understand that God not only sees what you give, but God sees how we give. And, and when I give cheerfully, I believe it attracts God. That word, that cheerful, means willing. It means good-natured. It means joyful. It means ready. And the word describes a spirit of enjoyment. So when we talk about giving cheerfully, Understand my giving is more than my finances. My giving is an area of my, my life. The, the way I use my talents, do I do that cheerfully? The way I serve, do I serve cheerfully? Because if I'm not going to give in any area of my life cheerfully, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not good in God's eyes. So purpose in your heart, not only to be a giver in the areas, but ask God to grace you with a cheerful heart in this. Let's pray. Father God, we love you again tonight. We thank you for just the opportunity to give in areas of our life. Father God, I pray right now that within each one of our hearts, you would grace us to be cheerful givers in our money, in our time, and in our talents. And Lord, we thank you for blessing us in every area of our life, and we have the opportunity to give back to you again in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, we will begin tonight in the book of uh, Jeremiah chapter number 7. Jeremiah chapter 7. And as you're turning to Jeremiah 7, I, I encourage you here to, to be here on Sunday morning. We're starting a brand new series, The Anointing, which is better stated, The Touch of God. And, and I believe God wants to touch every one of us. He wants to put a, a fresh anointing on you, a new anointing on you. So be sure and be there for that. Again, we will begin in the book of Jeremiah chapter 7. As you're turning there, we've been on this series on idols, which to me is a counterfeit. Anything or anyone we look to besides God to fulfill something within our hearts that only God can do. And so God's the, the creator. And, and God puts certain things within the creation so on that thought right there, is there any spiritually dangerous places for you to be in your life? And for each one of us, that could be around certain people, certain friends, 
That could be at the bar, that could be at a TV, that could be at a movie theater where I put myself in position that I should not be at. And so Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death or destruction. And so when I get off the course that God has laid out for me, no matter how I try to rationalize it, no matter how I try to justify the path of error, it's ultimately going to take me to a place of destruction, a place that I don't want to be. And so we ended last week here in, in Jeremiah 7, and I, I didn't get here where I needed to, so we pick up here. Verse number 3, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and amend your doings, your actions. And I will cause you to dwell in this place. What, what an invitation right here. Do not trust in these lying words saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the temple of the Lord are these. And so he, he gives this threefold repetition here of the phrase, the temple of the Lord. And Jeremiah's reciting here of the phrase is trusting lying words because God's protection and God's blessing only comes when I live in a manner that pleases God. And so that's where we look that literally here, verse 3 about amending your ways and your doing is tied to this. Verse number 5. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor. So what he's telling us here, the conduct that's necessary for, for God's blessing, it involves judgment or justice toward other people. It's huge how I treat other people. Verse 6. If you do not oppress the stranger the fatherless, and the widow, and you do not shed innocent blood in this place or walk up after other gods to your own hurt. Now, when you look what he's telling us there, the way I treat people again, the, the widow, the orphans, man, it's a big deal to God, but he throws in a little bitty nugget there at the end and he says, or walk after other gods to your own hurt, to your own ruin. So again, I, I can walk after other gods, which are nothing more than substitutes, which are nothing more than counterfeits. But he said, it will lead to your own ruin. In other words, you're sure not going to like the outcome. Verse number seven. Then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Verse number nine. Will you steal? Will you murder? Will you commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal? and walk after other gods whom you do not know. Now, when you look here at what he talks about in verse nine, 
Leading up to it, in verse 5, he talked about injustices. In verse number 6, he talked about idolatry. Now, in this verse right here alone, he lists five of the Ten Commandments that have been broken. Now, it's, it's interesting here that he, he talks about murder. He talks about stealing. He talks about adultery, uh, uh, bearing false witness. But again, he ends this one and he says, and you do not walk after other gods who you do not know. Now, when you look at what he's talking about here, this takes us back to the beginning of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, verse 3, it literally talks about do not go after false gods. Don't do it. And actually, when you look at the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, to, to worship false gods or go after them, that's the very first commandment of God's top 10 list. This, this is a big deal to Father God. And again, when he told the Israelites that, they were so caught up in the worship of, of carved images and carved things. But idols are still relevant in the society we live in. When I begin to look at the things of this world, which according to 1 John 2 the lust of my eyes, the lust of my flesh, the pride of my life. Any of those areas, they begin to pull me away from how God designed me. The creator put this in with the creation. Now he ends in verse number 10. And he says, and then you come and stand before me in this house. You come into the church, which is called by my name, and we say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. We have a license to do all these abominations. It's almost like mankind's thought is, you know what, it's, it's safe for me to do all these things. But the Lord responds in verse 11 and says, has this house which is called by my name become a den of thieves in your eyes. Behold, I even I have seen it, says the Lord. So mere formal attendance in God's house is condemned by the Lord Jesus. And I'm not just to come into this house and be religious. I'm not to come into this house and just go through the motions. Man, I come into the house of God in a reverent way, in an honoring way, and I say, Father God, I, I welcome you to grace me to live for you unlike any other time in my life. Now, I want you to go with me to the book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and we're going to be in the book of James the rest of this evening. And I, I want to lead you here on a little journey through the scriptures. That's right after Hebrews. James chapter 1, and I believe the word of God in this area will come alive to you. You know what? Uh, I think it's very important that we treasure the Word of God. I, I believe it's one of the greatest things that you can ever have and live by. And, you know, I was reading a, a passage here recently about a man who was confined to a Chinese prison. And they were so starved for the Word of God that they would rip out a page of the Bible and they would hand it through the jail cells to each prisoner. They just wanted... They just wanted one page 
of the Bible. Just, just one passage that they could read day after day. And then the next day, they would tear out another one and they would hand them around. And I thought, man, I live in a nation that I, I can look at my Bible anytime I want, but yet I choose not to. So let's allow the Bible here tonight to, to shape our faith today. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed, better stated. Now listen real close here. God blesses the man who endures temptation. When I'm surrounded by the difficulties of this world, but yet my faith remains strong in the Lord, he said, blessed is the man who endures temptation. The word temptation has the meaning there becomes an enticement to evil or an enticement to sin. And so James here immediately, I believe, he tells us, you're going to have to learn to persevere when these trials of life comes at you because God wants to bless us. He goes on to say, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. And the crown of life is the fullness of eternity or eternal life. And he tells us here, what, what a promise of eternal life. The, the greatest gift we can receive through the Lord Jesus. And he ends here in verse number uh, uh, 12 and he says, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, off of verse 12, he says, by those who do not allow trials to cause them to recant their faith in Jesus. I, I don't allow the trials I'm going to to get me off track. I don't allow these trials, these difficulties to cause me to leave the house of God or my relationship with Jesus. Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted... I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. And so God is incapable of evil right here. And, and the enticement to sin is not from God. God doesn't solicit to sin, okay? Verse 14, now listen real, real closely here. But each one, every one of us, is tempted, how? When he is drawn away, when he is dragged away by his own desires. When I'm drug away or drawn away by my own lusts by my own passions, by my own cravings. And so these, these passions, these cravings that try to draw me away, they begin in my thought life. And the longer I think on them and the longer I dwell on them, the more that it's going to ultimately lead to an action. One translation says this way. 
his own desires and thoughts that will drag him into evil. Now again, remember, these desires, they start right up here in your mind. A little thought that I believe will help you. You can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you sure can keep them from nesting in your hair. Now, literally what that statement means is thoughts are going to come. They're going to come, but, but I can't allow them to grip me. I, I can't stay with them and ponder them over and over again because the longer I dwell on that thought, the more that it's going to ultimately lead to an action. And this is what he's talking about. So he goes on to say, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and he's enticed. The, the devil goes on a fishing deal and he baits the hook. And then he gets you to start nibbling on the, the hook. And he knows before long, if you nibble long enough, he's going to reel you in. He's going to entice you. Verse 14. Verse 15. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Now watch the progression. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Now, when you look at the progression right here, the evil desires give birth to evil actions. And ultimately here, when my inner desires respond to outward enticement, sin is spawned. Lust has conceived, and love gives birth to a, a sin. And sin, when it's accomplished, or sin, when it's allowed to grow, brings forth death or destruction. So what can begin to happen even in the area of idols? There's things that begin to pull on every one of us. And they try to draw me in and in and in. And it doesn't matter who we are. We're not exempt from this because we go back to what he started there. And he said, but to each one. Verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Don't be tricked by sin's power. Don't be fooled by your own desires. And again, I highlight my beloved brethren. So Jesus here through the writing of James, he tells us, my beloved there's an opportunity for me to be misled. There's an opportunity for me to be thrown off course if I allow it. Don't be naive, my beloved. Great warnings. Turn a couple pages here to the book of James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And so again, you know, if you've been here in the last... Months, one of the verses we highlight is there in Ephesians 4 where the apostle Paul said, don't give place to the devil. Don't give place to him. 
And so you've heard us say over and over, the enemy doesn't attack your strengths. He goes after your weaknesses. And he will bait the hook in that area and he will go after and you'll go after and you'll go after you. James chapter 4, verse number 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Question mark. What, what is the cause or what is causing these, these wars and these conflicts and these quarrels, he says, that come from among you. Now, listen to the wording here. Do they not come from your desires for pleasures? Do they not come from the desires from your pleasures, the lust for your own way? And he ends verse one and he says, that war within your members, that battle within you, the sensual desires that come after me day by day and day by day. And there's a tug of war again between my flesh and between the things of the Spirit of God. And so James is giving incredible warning right here and twice there in verse 1, he uses the word your, your desire for pleasure, and your members. Verse 2, you lust and you do not have. The word lust has the meaning of an intense desire, a, a longing. Now, if we defined even the areas of lust there that come after us, in 1 John 2, verse 16, it says, all that's in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of flesh, and the pride of life. So he's warning again here, you lust and you don't have. And because you don't have, you murder, and that word murder literally means to hate. And you covet. The word covet right here means that you burn with envy. So he tells us here, we, we have this thing that we scheme and, and, and we hate. And, and we look at whatever we can do to get what we want. This selfish appetite of our own craving which could come from possessions, which could come from money, which could come from a higher status, the things of this world. But he warns what will begin to take place. And he says, but you cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you do not have because you don't ask. Now, warning here. You're trying to get everything that you lust for out of your own abilities, your only way. That's, the, that's man's ways. That I scheme and I plot and do whatever. But he said, you can't obtain. And, and he throws in a nugget there and he says, you do not have because you won't ask. A, a common problem that occurs here we do not ask God. 
And so when you think about what he ends there here, prayer's God's avenue. It's a great blessing to ask God. Asking God is attractive to God. Actually, God loves when his children ask him. He's not against you. Actually, that's his desire. Because you know what you're saying? Father God, I, I desire this in my life. And I know you're, you're the God. It's all yours. And so I'm asking you for this. But he throws in here a little nugget to us in verse 3 at the start. But you ask and you do not receive. You ask, but you fail to receive. And I believe we can say that in every one of our lives. We've done that. And many times we get mad at God. We stomp our feet and it's like, I asked you, Father God, but why didn't you do anything? This is what I love about the Word of God. I either don't ask or verse 3 because you ask amiss. Better stated here, you ask for the wrong things and with the wrong meaning or the wrong reason, the wrong purpose. You ask because it's my selfish desires. And he says that you may spend it on your own pleasures. The God of me. The selfish part of me. Actually, in one of the Jewish commentaries, it says this verse here that James literally said, don't pray sickly prayers. So I can get off by I don't ask God, I don't look to God, and when I don't look to God, I try to do it my way. But the other side of this is that when I ask for the wrong motives, the selfish part of me, I'm not going to have it answered either. You, you think God would bless us with something that's just going to keep us farther and farther away from him? Now we go in a little deeper here. Verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses. Now, it's interesting words here that James says that we can become spiritual adulterers or spiritual adulteresses. So the word adulterers would be to a man, a man of God. The word adulteresses spiritually would be to a woman of God. Now, when James starts out and he addresses adulterers and adulteresses, James wasn't speaking to humanity here in a whole. He's speaking to born-again believers. And the reason we know that he's speaking to born-again believers, the only way I can be an adulterer or an adulteress is I must be in a covenant relationship. So in the natural, 
for me to be an adulterer, that would mean that I broke the covenant relationship with Shelley. Vice versa, for her to be a, an adulteress, she would break the covenant relationship with me. And so when you see James writing here, he's giving me and you an insight that we can become spiritual adulterers or spiritual adulteresses because at one time in our life, we have had a covenant relationship with Jesus. We said, Lord Jesus, you're Lord of my life. You're the groom and I'm the bride. I'm the bride of Christ. Now he's warning here, this is a possibility. Now what could cause us as human beings to be viewed as adulterers or adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. When I desire the things of this world above my relationship with Jesus. The New Living says, and I'll say it again, whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, this verse right here, you see the, uh, the seriousness of what he said. He said it twice. Just bang, bang. That whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, if you'll notice what he said here, God doesn't make himself an enemy to us. We make ourselves an enemy to God because we start desiring and longing for the things of the world more than I do my relationship with Father God. So when you look at what he's talking about, could spiritual adultery, could it be tied to being an idol worshiper or into idolatry? Because the, the little context of this says this, those who break the vows to love and serve God choose to follow idols instead. So when I read this, is there any areas in my life right now that I've placed above my relationship with my father? See, it's very easy to get caught up in my career. It's easy to get caught up in our hobbies where those things we believe, they, they start taking the place of the creator. What I believe more and more in my life, and I see this, 
the only true sense of happiness and security only comes from my relationship with the Creator. God puts something within us that says, I, I, I must desire the Creator more than anything else. And anytime we get that out of alignment, man, it's not going to be good for me. I, I begin to have this relationship with the world. And so I don't care who we are, we, we're not exempt from this. Actually, when you read and study what he's saying here, that we have this affair with the world, it refers to the world's mindset. It refers to the world's values, the world's philosophies, the priorities of this world that run contrary to the will and the way of God. And when you look at the, the world, what he's talking about here, the world suggests that, that your suggest requires that you turn away from the path of godliness to neglect the development of your relationship with God. I don't know where you're at tonight. Only you do. But the word of God has the ability to locate me. And just right there where you're at, I want you to, 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 to look deep down in your heart. Open the file cabinet of your heart and allow God to begin to reveal those things in your life that have become the desires for pleasure, the desires for the, the lust that, that pull me away from God. Again, God's not against me having things. God is the one who said, I want to bless you. But the very things that God blesses me, when they start pulling me away from my relationship with him, they become an idol. And when I have idols in my life, I become an adulterer and adulteresses. Why don't you bow your head with me and let's pray here. Father God, we... We thank you for your word tonight. Father God, I, I ask right now that any areas of our life that we've, we've been dominated by, whether the lust of our eyes, the lust of our flesh, pleasure, the, the things of this world that, that try to entice us, that bait us, to pull us away from you. Father God, we, we ask that you would forgive us of that. Father, we, we stand before you, and this may be you right now, and Father God, I, I, I'm an adulterer with the world right now. I'm an adulteress with the world. I, I acknowledge that. And, and I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you that you would come back into my heart and we would reestablish the covenant the way that we once lived. And Father God, we, we look to you, the creator, as our fulfillment in this life. And Lord, nothing outside of you can fulfill, can sustain true happiness. So, Lord, we ask you to move within us again tonight. Grace us to move. And just as you said there in Jeremiah, put away those idols. Get those things out of you. And, Father God, we ask you to grace us in this area. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube 
or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.